Hey friend, what's up? My name is Christy and welcome to Awaken the Extraordinary. If you are tired of surviving, if you are ready to thrive, if you are willing to get curious about yourself, about others, if you are willing to look at the world and other people and yourself with an open heart and an open mind, then this is the place for you, okay? So stop whatever you're doing, or you can multitask too, like that's cool with me, and give this episode a listen, okay? Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of Awaken the Extraordinary. I am so glad you're here. And today's episode is one that has been on my mind and on my heart for a long time. I mean, the hiatus didn't help <laughs> with the length of time but this is, that this has been on my hearts and on my mind. One of the reasons that I didn't share much about this before was because I live in a very small town now and I absolutely want to be mindful and sensitive about what I am choosing to put out into the world because I respect people. I respect the town that I live in and I don't want to be perceived as disrespecting anyone or bad mouthing anyone. But, um, this is just something that's really important for me to share. And I feel like I learned a bit about myself through this experience. And I also realized how as a mom, I need to trust my instincts and that's what I did. And so I want to share this story with you because if you're a parent and something just, something just doesn't feel right for you with your kids, however old they may be, um, but especially younger, pay attention to that. And also I feel like even if you don't have kids, I I don't think our gut, I don't think our intuition, I don't think it lies to us. Like if we really pay attention to it, I don't feel like it's leading us in the wrong direction. And so I just wanted to share this and uh, hopefully it helps you. So when we moved to Montana in late June, we already had my son's preschool lined up. Uh, that was one of the things that I just wanted to have in order. You know, that that's a huge stressor when you know that, you know, your child will have to go away from you during the day. Finding some place that can take your child that has the space, but to me, also a place that aligns with like your personal value system, your parenting style, that's important to me. And I actually didn't realize that until, you know, I was pregnant with my son and trying to find places to take him. It was very important to me that, that wherever he was spending time during the day, that it was consistent with how we interacted with him at home, because I didn't want his home environment to be one thing. And then his daytime environment or his school environment to be different. I didn't feel like that was fair to him. And I mean, especially being a child, 
how are you able to make that distinction about this, this is different and this is why it just doesn't feel like it sets up a child um, to be successful, to have just kind of like this mentally balanced life. So when we moved to Montana, we had a place lined up. My husband had toured it um, about a year ago and we stayed connected with them. And so when we moved here, he was able to start. We we moved here on a Saturday and he started the following Monday. And he was okay the first couple of days. He was actually really excited. My husband then flew back to San Diego on Wednesday. And Thursday, when I went to take my son to school, he was in tears, like, I mean, beside himself. And that is not how my son typically behaves. And they literally had to peel him off of me. And I left in tears and I left my son in tears. And that was so hard for me. So then that night he comes home and he's fine. But then the next morning he is just beside himself and he did not want to go to school. And so I kept him home. I just remembered something that I'd forgotten. So when I picked him up Thursday afternoon, so mind you, this is the morning that they had to peel him off. When I picked him up Thursday afternoon, uh, he ran to me. So I guess he wasn't okay. Um, he ran over to me and said that he was in timeout. And I looked at the daycare provider who was there at the time. And she was sitting in a rocking chair with a child on her lap. And she just kind of smiled at me, but she didn't say anything. So I was like, is he really in timeout? You know? And I didn't ask because... I wasn't sure if they should have said something to me, like if that was kind of what their process was or if I should be asking. I mean, we had only been there a few days, so I just wasn't sure what I should be doing. And I think I was also just caught off guard with my son running over to me in tears because I've never picked him up from any facility where he's been in that state. He's been a little teary sometimes, but never like this. And the daycare provider actually didn't even speak to me until I asked where my son's blanket was, which was never found. But she didn't speak to me at all. And so I talked to my son about why he was in timeout. And he couldn't really articulate it to me. And here's the thing, too, is I don't practice timeouts. I thought I would, like when I was pregnant and when he was first born, I had all these lofty ideas about how I was going to parent. And I think I've kept about 50% of them and the other 50% I've thrown in the garbage because I just rely on just what feels good and natural to me. And I just, I don't do timeouts. Now the daycare place that he was at for about two years in San Diego, they did do timeouts. And so I knew that, but he was very rarely in them. So for him to be in like timeout on day four, I was like, this is weird, but okay. 
so I tried to get an understanding from him as to what happened. And honestly, at this point, I don't remember. I mean, that was like five years or five months ago. And so I don't remember all those details, but he told me his, his side of the story. And I was like, okay, knowing that his recollection of things or how he's understanding and articulating things like it's not a hundred percent accurate likely. Right. So the next morning he was incredibly upset when I told him that he had to go to school or that we were going to school. And I was just like this combined with how he was yesterday morning combined with my experience, which wasn't the greatest the afternoon prior and how he was when I picked him up, I was like, it's fine. I'm not going to have him go. So I called my husband. I talked to him again. He's in San Diego. I told him, look, I'm, I'm not sending him to school today. And so he texted the daycare director and let her know. And when he explained the situation, she called me and we had a conversation, which I really appreciated, appreciated her doing. And I said, look, like, I I don't believe my son a hundred percent, but I also know what my experience was and to have basically no context given when I picked up my son, that's not acceptable to me. And that it just seems odd that I wasn't given any explanation as to why he was in timeout. Like all she did was sit in the rocking chair and kind of smirk at me. And so, and it wasn't like a, I say smile, like it was a small smile. It wasn't a smirk. And so she apologized and called this person and then called me back and said, oh, this is what happened. Like Milo and some other kids were running around and they weren't listening. And so they got put in timeout. And I said, and that's fine. Like, I don't believe in timeouts. My husband has a completely different perspective on that, but that's fine. Like, I understand a timeout is part of what you guys do. This is where we go. I understand that. I said, but it's not, I I, I appreciate knowing why he was given a timeout. But I said, what I find the most troubling is that I wasn't provided with any explanation as the parent. So then she shared with me that this certain daycare provider doesn't really like to interact with parents. And I said, well, then maybe this isn't the right position for her because if she is the only person there when parents come in, that that's kind of a problem, you know, like if, if she's uncomfortable interacting with parents to me, like just from an HR perspective, like performance management perspective, that's a problem, you know? So she suggested a meeting a couple of weeks later and we went in and it was really hard because the meeting was in the daycare facility. So it's like, there are still kids there. And I would have appreciated us like meeting off property somewhere so we could actually talk. Um, And my son had been going like the Monday after, like my son went and he was fine, but we weren't able to connect with this certain provider until like a week or so later. And so when we spoke with her, um, the way she came across was very defensive. And when I said, you know, this is what he told me, she 
instantly, like I felt like attacked me and was like, well, you just assumed that what he was telling you was the truth. And I said, no, no, no. I said, don't you stand there and tell me what you like, don't you assume what I thought, what I felt. I said, because what you're accusing me of doing is what you're doing right now. And you're wrong. I said, I knew that there was more to the story than what my four-year-old child was sharing with me. So you being the adult, yes, I absolutely expected you to give me additional context because I know the truth is probably right there in the middle. I said, but don't you stand there and assume that I went home and just made an assumption because you are not correct. And she said, well, you could have asked me. And I said, you're right. I could have. I didn't know like what the process was here. I said, we're all getting to know each other. And I said, so you're right. I absolutely could have said something, but you could have too. And I said, and honestly, I expect that more from you. You should have provided that information. But again, I could have asked. And so she said, well, you know, there are just certain parents who, who think that their child can't do anything wrong. And I said, I'm not one of those parents. I said, I absolutely think that my child can behave in ways that we wish he wouldn't. So if you tell me my child did something, I am not going to go on the defensive and say that he didn't. I am going to want to understand the situation. So just like I'm doing right now, so that I can get a greater understanding of the overall situation. And she's like, oh, okay, well, good. And I said, but I said, just because we're adults, that doesn't mean that we do everything right either. Doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't mean that we're infallible. It doesn't mean that we do everything right. We mess up all the time. It's looked at differently because we're adults. I said, but I don't have the expectation that we're perfect either. We mess up. And she just didn't say anything. So I didn't like how that was approached. And it it was very hard for me to take him in there day after day, feeling honestly like she disrespected us by just how she approached us. Um, and then just how she wasn't really willing to take any ownership of her part in the situation. It just didn't sit well with me. So life went on and uh, we would drop him off and pick him up every day. I mean, we obviously didn't leave him there for long periods of time overnight. And there were a couple of things that just didn't sit well with me. So there were times when we would drop him off in the morning, <clears throat> excuse me. And it was just so loud. There were so many kids there of varying ages. And it just felt like chaos to my nervous system. Like it was just emotional overwhelm. And my, my son is a very sensitive little soul. And 
we live in a relatively calm environment. Like we don't yell, we don't slam doors. Like it's very different than the environment I grew up in. And when I would leave and we would walk back to our car, I can't count how many times I would tell my husband, I just feel bad leaving him there. Like kids were crying, kids were screaming and my son would seem sometimes very apprehensive about going. And there were mornings where he would, you know, cry and say he didn't want to go. And then we'd go and we'd drop him off. And it would just be kind of what what I define, what I felt was chaos inside. And it hurt my heart to leave him there. I kind of liken it when I describe this to people. It's the Toy Story movie with Lotso. And I think that's two, but I don't know. I think it's three because two is when they find Jesse. So I think it's three. And, you know, the toy, the toys end up at um, like sunny, sunny side preschool or something along those lines. And so you have like Andy's toys going to this crazy ass room. And then you have Watso and his gang they're in the room with like the kids that are respectful and quiet and just chill. And how I felt when I left my son at that school was like, I was leaving him like Buzz and Jesse and all of the other toys in that chaotic classroom. Like that's always how I felt. Granted, there's, it's probably an exaggeration, but that's how I felt. And I just... I didn't feel good about leaving him there. And then, you know, he would come home and he would tell us that, you know, one of the teachers would tell him and the other kids to shut up. And that was very concerning to me. We don't say that like even jokingly at home to each other. And he had never once told me about that at any of his other schools. And he was in trouble a lot. Like I would say at least twice a week, I was getting reports of him like hitting another kid or smacking a kid. And that is not behavior that is consistent for him. And their their explanation to me was like, oh, well, he's hanging around this kid or he's hanging around this kid. And they just, don't know how, like, they're just kind of mean, you know, like they don't really know how to interact with other people. And I was like, that's a problem to me. Like if he's around all of these kids that are mean and that's why he's acting that same way. Like if he's hitting because he sees other kids hitting, that's a problem to me. And I don't blame the kids. Like I blame the parents and I blame the daycare facility. Like, I'm just going to be honest because at this age with kids this young, like they're, they're, they're not doing this just because. And one of the things that was always told to me is like, this is normal child development. This is normal child development, but I'm like normal for whom? And who's to say what's normal and what's not like, My child never did this before he came here. So 
And it wasn't like he was out of school for like six months to a year. Like he was in a school a week prior to us moving here. And then there was like a week, a week and a half's break, maybe two. And then he's back in school. So you can't tell me that like, he doesn't know how to interact with other kids. And, and this just seemed odd to me. So I hate, like, I started to get anxious when I would go pick him up because I was like, what the fuck am I going to hear today? You know, because I'd never had this experience before. And another thing that I noticed was that he started buying, biting his nails constantly, keeping his hands and his fingernails out of his mouth. I feel like became like a nearly full-time job for me and my husband. And my husband is a chronic nail biter, but he has gotten a lot better. My son used to bite his nails periodically, but it wasn't to the point of us like Milo, get your hands out of your mouth. Milo, get your hands out of your mouth. Like Milo, you can't put your hands in your mouth. Like, please don't put your hands in your mouth. And that started when we started this school. Like I started noticing that. And the thing about nail biting or fidgeting is those are typically self-soothing behaviors that we basically start doing as a way to self-soothe. So if you're in a situation where you're uncomfortable, a lot of people bite their nails or they'll fidget, or my sister used to twirl her hair. Like those are attempts to self-soothe when you are in a situation that does not feel comfortable for you. It's not to say that the situation is bad or like volatile. It just means that it doesn't feel good to you and like really like your nervous system. So you develop these habits as a way of self-soothing. And I realized that. And I honestly think what made me realize that was when I did my hypnotherapy session on anxiety and I stopped fidgeting and I didn't even realize that I stopped fidgeting until months later when I think my body went to fidget and then I stopped and I realized I don't fidget anymore. And then I consciously became aware of it and I don't fidget. But I I really started thinking about like why we fidget. And it's just like, we, we have energy. Like there's something about a situation that you know, either we're stressed out at work or, you know, we're in a social setting that makes us uncomfortable. And so we do something, maybe it's drink, you know, but for my son, I know it was the nail biting. And I just started paying attention to these little things. Another thing that like blew my mind is when my husband went and he participated in this ATV race and We were watching him. And as he finished, my son, who again is four, leaned over and whispered to me, mommy, when he's done, give him a tongue kiss. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, give him a tongue kiss. And so instantly I'm like, where did you learn about that? And then of course I'm like, has anybody done that to you? And through the questioning, like I realized, Again, this was at school and I know that I can't control every aspect of his life forever, but right now I absolutely do have control over the environment that I choose for him to be in 
eight to nine hours a day, five days a week. And I was like, what the fuck is happening at this school? And so we went back and we talked to a teacher then like the following Monday, that was on a Saturday. And she was like, oh yeah, like one of the little girls that, that he hangs around with, um, you know, she, she, we've overheard her talking about stuff like that. And I'm like, do you try to curtail that? Like what happens? And then what also broke my heart is when my son saw us talking to the teacher, he was in like circle time and his little face, like his little brow was furrowed and he looked so concerned. And I don't see that expression like ever. And so I was like smiling at him, trying to show like, Hey, everything's fine. Like you're not in trouble. Like just everything's okay. And, uh, I was just like, this, this does not feel good. And that's another thing is, um, I would go to pick him up sometimes, or I would be there in the morning and some of the younger providers would come in and they would see like a kid, I guess, in the timeout chair. And, you know, I heard a couple of times like, oh, they're in trouble. Are you in trouble? And to me, that's just kind of like that shame thing that I've talked about before. And I don't like that. Like you, you don't need the, the kids already in timeout. Like that's, that's him or her being held accountable, I guess, for their actions. You don't need to make it worse. And that's what I feel like it's doing. And maybe you're listening and thinking that I'm overly sensitive and that's totally fine. That's totally fine. But I don't like it. Like our, our culture to me thrives on shame, blame, and guilt. And I don't sign up for that. I think that's bullshit. I think it's manipulative behavior. I think it's trying to make people feel bad. And how can people show up as the best version of themselves when they're feeling bad? I, I believe in accountability, but I don't believe in shaming someone. Like, I just think that's bullshit. And I don't like my son being in an environment where stuff like that is happening. And so there were a couple of other instances after that where my son said, you know, there was another teacher, which is the one that I had issues with from the get-go, like telling him and again, other students to shut up. And he's like, well, what do I say? You know, because we're like, well, you know, we don't say that at home. And I said, unfortunately, like, or fortunately, I don't know. I'm like, we can't control what other people choose to say, but that's just not a kind thing to say. And just know that even if someone says it at school, like that's not an acceptable way for us to speak to each other or other people. And so he was like, well, what do I say? And like, I, like me and my husband are like, fuck, I don't know. (laughs) So I said, well, because I was like, how do I empower my kid? to be able to say something, to speak up for himself, to stand up for himself. And so I said, well, I guess if they say that again, you can tell them, please don't say shut up. That's not a kind thing to say. Instead, could you please say, please be quiet. And so he was like, okay. And I, and my heart just like broke. And then again, I'm like, what the hell? Like, how am I sending my child to a a place where I want him to learn about respect and I want him to be treated with respect and he and other children are being told to shut up. And again, 
he had never come to, to me with like these complaints, I guess, about any other place that he'd been. And so knowing the people the way that I did, like seeing the, just the behaviors they would engage in, I was like, I believe it. And and I know there's so many people that I know. I mean, gosh, like even before I had him, like, I'd be like, shut up or like, shut up. But once I had him, I just became so much more mindful about how I spoke around him. He's not here. I cuss, like, but around him, um, he deserves, he deserves the best version of me and he gets it the majority of the time. So we have that conversation with him and my heart still felt very heavy. And I just felt bad that my son was in a position where at four years old, he needed to tell an adult to speak to him differently. And the, the drop-offs continued where, um, I didn't feel good. There were days where he just really was not wanting to go to school. And I was just like, I don't know what to do because we live in a very small town. The options are very limited. If we were back in San Diego, the hard part would be, I think, finding a place that had space for him here. It was just finding a place. And two weeks, let me think, this was probably in September. Um, I went to pick him up and my husband was out of town and I went to pick my son up and, uh, they said that he had hit someone in the face with like a a plastic magnifying glass. And that I think was on a Tuesday or a Monday. I don't know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) But I I think it was later in the week. I think that was on a Thursday. Okay. So at this point, my husband was still home. I went to pick him up on a Thursday and they told me that he had hit a kid in the face with a magnifying glass, a plastic magnifying glass that day. And so I was like, okay, thank you for letting me know. So then when we get home, I talked to my son about it, try to understand why it happened, try to help him understand why that it's not, why that's not acceptable behavior, what he could have done instead. And I was just like, I'm just tired of this because that was Thursday, Tuesday. So two days before that, we picked him up and we're told that he had hit somebody that day. So this happens on Tuesday and this happens on Thursday. And I'm just like, seriously, what the fuck? Like, this is not consistent behavior for him. It's becoming consistent now, but this is not, this is not the type of child that he has been. This is the type of child he is since being here. And I refuse to believe that this is just a normal part of child development now. And keep in mind, he's still biting his nails like all the freaking time. And I'm just like, this does not feel good. And my husband was gone the following week. And so I went to pick him up on Monday. And 
when I went to pick him up, he was sitting outside on one side of uh, the daycare provider. And I went outside and I was like, hey, like expecting him to run up to me. And he didn't. And so I was like, what's going on? So then one of the little kids goes, my child. And this was, this kid like would always report to me, like when I would come to pick my son up, what kids had done. And so I got to the point where I told him like, it's not your job to tell me about other kids or my child or Milo. It, it's not your job to tell me what they have done. So I appreciate you wanting to be communicative or whatever word I use that I thought he might be able to understand. I said, but I don't need to know this and I don't want to hear it. And so that was something that I repeated to him. And then I went down um, into the yard and there was another child sitting on the other side of the daycare provider. And so I look at my son and his little brow is furrowed and I'm just like, and so um, I said, what happened? And so she kind of turns around. So she's facing me because my son is on the opposite side of her. And she's like, Milo's being naughty. And I'm like, okay. I didn't like that, but I was like, okay. So then she pivots around so that she's kind of facing Milo and I crouch down and in hindsight, I wish I had just sent him off to go play. I don't like that. We spoke about what he had done in front of him. I wish I, uh, had had that conversation away from him because I feel like that's adding to how bad he was already feeling. And I don't want to do that. So that's where I could have one thing that I could have handled differently in this situation. So I knelt down and I was like, well, what happened? And she said, well, he pulled this boy's hair. And I said, okay. I said, do we know why he pulled his hair? And she said, no. But I told him that I was going to have to tell his parents. And he said, no, you're not. And my son can absolutely be sassy. Uh, he can be very sassy. He's more sassy with my husband than he is with me. But he he has some sass. I don't know where he gets that from. So I said, okay. And she said, so then I said, well, yeah, I'm going to tell your parents. And he said, no, you're not. And I think she went back to him one more time. So I'm like, okay, so we have this woman that's an adult going back and forth with my four-year-old child. Okay. And, and again, your role is like a teacher, but you're going back and forth with my four-year-old child. I can understand it more if you're like a teenager, but I still can't even understand it hundred percent that. So I said, okay, well, Okay. And she said, so I told him, yeah, I, I am going to have to tell your parents. So then I guess my son said, well, I'm going to kick you. And she's telling me all of this. And I'm like, okay. And she said, so I told him, well, go ahead and kick me then. So he doesn't kick me. He picks up a stick and 
or, or she said he picks up this this fork. So there's like this plastic toy fork on the ground. And she said, so he picks up the toy fork and he pokes me with it a little bit. And then he picks up a stick and pokes me in my fat roll. And I sit there and I go, okay. I said, well, I'm very sorry about that. Thank you for letting me know. And I will talk to him about that. And looking back, in addition to having my son go do something while we talked, I would have asked her, why were you arguing with a four-year-old? Not to say he didn't do any of this, but why are you arguing with a four-year-old and why are you encouraging my son to engage in a behavior that you should be trying to discourage? An appropriate response from a teacher when a kid threatens to kick them, to me, a four-year-old child threatens to kick them, is not, well, go ahead and kick me them. You're taunting them. You're encouraging them to do something. Why? So you can punish them? I don't know. But my heart felt so heavy. And so I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. And uh, I will talk about this with him when we get home. So I got my son and what hurt my heart is that like, as we're leaving, he's like, like he was just sweet and loving. And I'm standing there. And that was really hard for me because I, I'm not a fan of this woman. Um, I'm, I'm sure as a person, she's fine, but as a person around my child, I, I had a lot of problems with her. We drove to the nearby playground. He always wants to play there. And so I said, okay, we're, we're going to have a talk. And so we got out of the car and I talked to him and, you know, he told me why he pulled the boy's hair and, and we talked about how he could have approached that differently and why that wasn't an appropriate or a kind thing to do. And then we talked about what she had told me and he corroborated her story. And I have to admit, there was a part of me that's like, well, at least he picked up a fork and a stick and poked you. Like he didn't fucking kick you. Like you told him to do, at least he exercised enough good judgment and critical thinking to choose to not do that. But we talked about why what he did wasn't appropriate, but I also let him know like, she shouldn't have told you to kick her and you still shouldn't have poked her, but I am glad you chose not to kick her. So then as we're driving home, he tells me, he's like, teacher told me to shut up today. And I said, which teacher? And it was the teacher that we had just talked to. I said, did she tell you that or other kids too? And he's like, she told other kids too. And I said, okay. I said, and what happened? And he's like, well, I started to tell her that that wasn't a nice thing to say. And she told me to shut up again. And I know that kids can make up stories, but the tone of his voice when he was telling me this, plus how everything just played out there, plus how she's interacted with me. And like how I've heard her speak to other kids when I'm around, I was like, I believe him. I don't doubt him because he didn't accuse all the teachers of saying this to him. It was two 
And more often than not, it's been this teacher. And it hurt my heart to know that my son was doing exactly what we told him to do. And she still chose to act the way that she did with him. And at that point, I was like, why the hell does all this shit happen when my husband is not here? Because when they were peeling him off with me the first week, my husband wasn't here. And so that night, we just chilled out and I was frantically searching for another place to take him to. And I don't know what happened, but I entered something different in the Google search and I found a different school and what was described online is pretty much what I was looking for. And I called that night. They were closed. I called that night. I left a message, very tearful message. And I sent a follow-up email and, uh, the next morning it was very hard for me to send my son to school. I did not want him to go back into an environment where I don't feel like he's being treated with respect. If we're expecting children to treat each other with respect, to treat adults with respect, we need to treat them with respect. Just because they are small human beings, because they are young, it doesn't mean that they, that we can treat them however we want. And that's a very different mindset than I had when I was pregnant with him. That's very different than how I was treated in my home. And it's honestly very different than how I think my my parents, specifically my mother, still try to interact with me. But he deserves respect. All of those kids at that school deserve to be treated with respect. I don't believe that any of those children should be told to shut up. And if you say that in your home, that it, that is your thing. I don't think in an educational environment, that's remotely appropriate. I just don't. And that morning I was like, I have all these meetings. And if he stays home, I don't know how I'm going to juggle it. So then I started questioning myself about, well, is your job, like, it's like, oh God, you devil. So you have like the angel and you have the devil on your shoulders. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a very, very old movie in the eighties that came out when I was a kid with George Burns. It's funny. Um, at least I remember it being funny. I might watch it now and have a completely different opinion on it, but it was like, well, so what, like you're taking, you're sending him there. Does that mean like, you don't care about him? Does that mean like your job is more important than your son? Blah, blah. Like it was just this back and forth. And I was like, no, but I also need to earn an income so that I can send him to the school that I want to send him to, because it costs a little bit more money. And it was just this back and forth between like, what was the right thing to do? And I just decided to send him and it was a very hard decision. If my husband had been home, I would have kept him home. But I was navigating this on my own and I just, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And 
I didn't want him to go to that school another day. I didn't want him to be more impacted than he already was. And, you know, there was a part of my mind that was like, he's been there not quite three months, a couple more days is not going to make a huge difference. But then there was this thought in my mind of like, how do I know it won't? And being able to like concentrate on work, leaving him in just like that chaos, it was really hard. After I dropped him off that day, I went to a local coffee shop and I had my dog in the car and this woman started talking to me about my dog. And then we started chatting more and she asked where I was from. And I told her and instantly she said, Oh, are you from national city or Chula Vista? And I'm like, I grew up in Chula Vista and lived there the majority of my life and moved to national city. <laughs> That's where we moved from. I'm like, those two places out of all of San Diego where I've lived, spent the majority of my time. And you guessed them like right off the bat. Like it wasn't like, Oh, like North County. No, I was like, what? And so I knew that I'm like, God, God put her here for a reason. And so then she started asking about my family. And once I started talking about my son and she asked if he was in school, I lost it. Like I just lost my shit. I started crying to this complete stranger and she was so kind. And she said, have you heard of this school? And she mentioned the school and there was something about it that clicked for me because I couldn't clearly remember the name of the school that I called the night prior. And so I said, wait a minute. I go, do you mean this school? And I pulled it up on my phone and I showed her and she says, yes, that's, that's the school. She's like, that is, that is a great school, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just believe like, I, I know God put her there for a reason. And it was just the confirmation that I needed that I was doing what I should be doing. And so later that day, uh, I heard back from the school and everything that the person was saying was aligned with what I want for my son. Um, you know, she talked about, they, they don't do timeouts. They have like a, I call it the cozy corner, but it's like a calm corner um, where, you know, if, if your kid is just in a, in a highly emotional state and they just need to decompress, like they go there and they have, they have cameras there. So it's cool. I see my son in there. <laughs> it was so funny yesterday. Like we were watching him like put up all these pillows to like block out the entrance to the cozy corner and the pillows kept falling and I was laughing and I was just like that that is how I feel like when I go to the bathroom or whatever and close the door I'm like that is totally how I feel when it comes to just wanting privacy and wanting to be alone and and things just not going as planned like it was it was humorous um but 
she also started talking about like why they don't do timeout. And I said, well, why? Like, why don't you do timeout? She said, we, we really want to focus on, you know, understanding the reason for the behavior and then coaching them on alternatives. And everything she was saying was literally just like music to my ears. And I was like, okay, how do I make this happen? Like there's space. She confirmed that. And so I needed to get some sort of medical certification from California, which that was a shit show and a half. California, if you need medical records from California, they have to be mailed. I was not going to leave my son at this school for two to three weeks. Like my son's mental health, that that's not contingent upon someone deciding to mail a form to Montana from California and getting it here in a timely manner. Like my son's mental health and well-being, like that's way freaking more important. So they couldn't email it, but they could use fax to email, which I understand that. But then when I was having the doctor in San Diego fax it to the doctor here in Montana, like the Montana fax, like it wasn't going through. And I would call San Diego and they're like, oh, it's not going through. It's not going through. So then we ran to like the real estate office because we're friends with the agent there. And they're like, yeah, we, we can't receive faxes. And at that time, we didn't know that they could do fax to email. So we're just trying all of these different avenues. Like, like the school didn't have a fax. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So then I remembered my coworkers in payroll. They get faxes. So I called up my payroll specialist that I work with all the time. And I said, I need a form faxed. And it is, it's a shit show. Can the doctor fax it to you? And she's like, yes. So then they faxed it, which was really email, faxed it to my coworker who then sent it to me. And then I just emailed it to the school and we were able to have him go. So he was in school one more day. So on a Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday, we pulled him out. And then the school, because it's a small town, uh, heard that he was in another school. And we then met with the director of that school, uh, probably a, a few days later. And uh, we had told her we'll, we'll let you know by Monday. Uh, you know, we have some concerns that we wanted to address with you and we will let you know by Monday, um, what we decide, but we, we really need to determine what's best for Milo and what's best for our family. And I feel like she was aware of like what transpired with my son that day. So when I contacted her, that following Monday and said, I just wanted to let you know, my love won't be there. I said, I, I would like to set up time with you so you can understand our reasons why. And I also want to let you know, like, I appreciate everything that you've done. And I want an opportunity to tell you that in person. So we met her for lunch a few days later and we're very transparent with her about our reasoning for pulling him from the school. And 
the conversation went really well. She was very supportive and understanding. And I want to share more, but I won't. But it, I'm really glad that she was willing to meet with us, that she understood where we were coming from and recognized that ultimately we have our child's best interests at heart. And I, I told her, I said, you know, my son is not a guinea pig. I am not willing to gamble with his mental health and well-being. I know what it's like to be in an, in an environment as a child where you feel uncomfortable, where you feel uneasy. And I don't want that for him. My son deserves better than that. And I want him to experience better than what I experienced as a child. These are incredibly formative years. And I want him to learn how to effectively manage his emotions and understand what's acceptable versus what isn't, like what's appropriate versus what isn't. I want him to have a better understanding of himself and why he engages in certain behaviors. And if those behaviors aren't acceptable, I want him to understand what is so that when he deals with people, as he gets older, he's in control of his emotions and how he chooses to respond. And I, I want him to be happy. And I have moments of that. There, there are definitely moments of that, but I've seen changes in his behavior. And some of the things that he says are really disturbing. And I know that that's not coming from anything at home. And one of the last things I told her is like, you know, I, I get that we're, we all have bad days, but to me, like, especially in that type of environment, a child's good day should not be contingent upon whether the teacher is having a good day. If a teacher is having a shitty day, the children do not deserve to also have a shitty day. And ultimately all those kids deserve to be treated with respect. And she agreed. And there was a bit, you know, in full transparency, like there, there was a bit of discomfort too, because my husband and I aren't always like a hundred percent aligned on how things are managed with our son. And I am a very, very sensitive person because of my childhood and the things that I've just learned about myself. And I think really learned about myself after becoming pregnant with my son, I just started looking at my childhood and the thoughts that I had. And if those thoughts were really mine or thoughts that were, I thought were mine, but really came from like my mom or my dad and their experiences. Like what, what are my beliefs? What are my thoughts versus what are things that I thought were my beliefs or my thoughts? Because like, that's what my family thought or my friends thought. And I just approach things, as I mentioned earlier, very differently than how I thought I would. And my husband told me, he's like, I wouldn't have pulled him as quickly as you did. You know, if I had been there, I would have been like, let's go in and, you know, let's talk to the director and see how things go. And I said, and I would have told you, no, I'm not gambling with my son's mental health and well-being. Like that's the foundation of everything. 
Like I realize that when I look around our world, I just see like all these, all these hurt kids. These kids that just develop these coping mechanisms because we didn't know how to deal with things otherwise. Like I'm not, I can't knowingly do that to him. And I, and I told him, I said, I, I know I can't control his environment forever and I don't want to, but in these years and in these extremely formative years, I want him to have a good foundation. He deserves that. He deserves better than what he's getting. And one of my husband's other concerns was that the school is smaller, you know, and he's like, that's not how life is. And I said, I understand that. But if he's able to be coached on a smaller scale, won't he have a better understanding of himself and how to navigate those tough situations when they arise, like when he's around different types of people? To me, the the key to us being able to function and interact with people in an effective way is really knowing more about ourselves and also understanding that we have a choice as to how we respond to something. And I understand that in this environment, he's not going to face as many crappy, tough situations as he may be if he's like in a group of like 20 or 30, but he's in a smaller group. So they're able to pay attention to the conversations that are being had, to the behaviors that happen that may prompt someone to respond in a less than ideal way. And they're able to have a conversation with these kids about what's appropriate and what's not and why. Get to like the why, because the why is just so often not even addressed. But when we understand the why, to me, that helps us better know how to navigate things going forward or have a better understanding of ourselves or understand why something is not kind. He deserves that. And it was hard for a few days because I felt like even though my husband said he supported me, I felt like he thought I acted impulsively, but I can tell you, he was very excited about going to his new school. And there have only been like a couple of days where he's like, I want to go to school. And I know that that's typical. Because there are many days that I don't want to go to the day job. (laughs) But the first day I dropped him off, the sense of peace and calm that I felt on my heart. I never felt that at that other place. And my son's excessive nail biting has stopped. He busts out into random song quite often. And he didn't do that when he was at that other school. He's polite, not all the time, but he's polite a lot. I've never once picked him up and had any reports of him hitting other kids on his 
third day there, the teacher came out and told us what a pleasure he was to have in class that he was adjusting well, that he was helping the other kids because, you know, he's, he's older and I guess in some ways more advanced. He's goofy. He seems more lighthearted and carefree. And after a while, my husband told me, he's like, you made the right call. And I told him, I said, I know. Thank you. I appreciate that. I said, but I know I did. And I think this just goes back to why we moved to Montana. Why I wanted to create a different life for myself and for my family. Because my son was surviving there. But he deserves to thrive. We all deserve that. And we can't be that best version of ourselves if we're just struggling. If we're just surviving. And, you know, I I dropped an episode on Thanksgiving where I talked about seeing the good within the crap. I'm being thankful for that. And what I'm thankful for in this is that if that last straw hadn't broken my back, let's say I'm the camel, my son might still be there. I might think that there's just no other option in town. And I would be sending him to a place every day that I didn't feel good about. I would be sending him to a place every day where he didn't feel good being there. I would be sending him to a place every day where at least once a week, I'm getting told about him engaging in a behavior that no parent wants to hear about. And this wonderful little being that's goofy, it just bursts into song randomly. I don't know that he would be here. If you're listening and you're a parent, trust your gut. I don't think it, it steers us wrong. And even if you're not a parent, pay attention to how you feel. Like, How do you, even if he, okay, let's say you're a parent or you're not a parent. If you are in a situation, how do you feel? I don't think we pay enough attention to how we're feeling about something. We're not present. We're not mindful because we're just paying attention to everything else going on. Start paying attention to how you feel, how your body feels, how your body reacts to something, how your heart feels, what that voice in your head is telling you. I don't think in situations like these, like, I don't think it steers us wrong. There's energy all around us. And I know it it sounds out there. 
there is like, think about like when you walk into a room and people are arguing or have just arguing and there's nothing being said, you can typically feel the tension. That's energy. You feel that. Pay attention to it. Trust it. Trust that it's not going to lead you astray. Because for nearly three months, my body was telling me everything that I needed to know. And then things were actually happening, like that conversation, like my son having a meltdown the the Friday of his first week. Like there are things that are red flags. And then there are things that more sub- are more subtle, like pay attention to all of that. Because if I had paid attention, if I had just, if I had just trusted myself, my son may not have been there for three months. But I kept telling myself, it's okay. This is probably the only place here. And then something happened and I was like, fuck this shit. Like I'm out and he's out. If I have to have him at home with me and juggle work, I will do that. If I lose my job because I have him home with me, because I'm not going to have him be in this environment that I don't think is good for his emotional health, then that will happen. And then I'll figure it out if that happens. But he was there for almost three months. Something happened. And like I said, I was just like, no, fuck this shit. I'm done. And I found something else. I got resourceful. I wasn't even resourceful. I just, I just opened my mind up, I guess, to a different possibility. I believed that there was something else out there and there was. And so I look at him now and like I said, he's thriving. And when I bring this back, it's yes, as a parent, absolutely trust your gut, do what you feel is right for your child, even if other people don't see it. I know it's hard if you're co-parenting and the other parent doesn't see it. Our job is to advocate for our children. And for me, I was like, I don't have anything to lose. I, I, yes, it's absolutely possible that I could be putting him in an environment that's worse, but I don't think that's the case. Again, like I went with how I was feeling. I know as a parent, it's hard to stand your ground sometimes because people may not be a hundred percent aligned with you, but deep down, you know, what's best for your child. And if you pay attention, they'll tell you. And then I think on the, the grander scale, like the bigger scale, I guess is when we're struggling, when we're just surviving, we're not able to be the best version of ourselves. 
And if there's a situation that you're in where you're just scraping by and inside, it just doesn't feel good. Pay attention to that. You deserve to thrive. You deserve to live the most badass life, the most enjoyable life. You deserve to be the happiest version of yourself possible. And if there's something that doesn't feel good, change it. It might not happen overnight. But if you believe that there's a different possibility out there for you, there is. And you might not know with 100% certainty how things are going to work like how things are going to work out, but you're worth taking a chance on. Or if this is in regards to your kids, like they're worth taking that chance if you believe it's going to result in something better for them. You deserve taking a chance on you and some other possibility because you deserve the best. If we all, like, if we all were the best version of ourselves, if we were all living the life that we wanted, like, how different would our, would our world look? I think it would look pretty damn different. And why shouldn't that start with you? Why shouldn't that start with your kids? You're worthy of everything good and amazing because you exist. Your kids are worthy of everything good and amazing and emotionally healthy and supportive simply because they exist. Believe in you, trust your gut, trust those instincts and do what you know in your heart is best for you. And if you have them, your kids, just know that. And I can't wait to see what happens for you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. I I hope this story inspired you to trust yourself in terms of making decisions that impact you, that impact your family. As I said, you deserve to thrive. Your kids deserve to thrive. And I hope you don't settle for anything less than what you deserve because you and your kids deserve the best. I'd love to know your thoughts on the episode. You can send me a DM at Awaken the Extraordinary on Instagram. You can also email me at Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I at AwakenTheExtraordinary.com. If you have a story about how you trusted your gut, and your life is better or your kid's life is better because you did that. I want to hear it. So you know how to get a hold of me. Can't use that as an excuse, but I want to hear it. I hope you have an amazing day. And I encourage you to stay kind, stay compassionate, and stay curious with yourself and others. And I'll talk with you soon.